this morning on the way to church. All that matters is when you come into the house of praise that your mind is made up. I came out today for only one reason, and that is to give a sacrifice of praise to my King and Kings and Lord of all. I didn't show up so the pastor could put a notch in my, I was here. I didn't come to show up because the neighbor that I sit next to would say, where are they at? And they would. But I came to offer a praise unto God this morning. Hallelujah. Can we do that one more time in this room this morning? Come on, lift up a sacrifice. Of, I know it's a sacrifice this morning. I know it's hard to lift up a praise this morning. But when you lift up a sacrifice of praise, God will honor the sacrifice and the fire will fall. Well, help me. Help me lift him up. Help me lift him up. Come on in. Help me lift him up. Yes, yes. Help me lift him up. Help me lift him up. Help me lift him up. Oh yes, Lord. Help me lift him up. Oh, help me. Help me lift him up. Now let's do that one more time in this place. Help me lift him up in this place. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord, this morning. We praise you this morning. We lift up a sacrifice of praise in the house. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. God bless you this morning as you remain standing. So glad you are here in the house of the Lord this morning. God bless all those who are watching online. I'm thankful that we have streaming online for some of our elders and some folks who we don't want them to get out in this mess that, that we have this morning. Amen? Amen. The worst thing that could happen is if one of our elders or someone who is not as stable on their feet come and try to make it to the house of the Lord and they fall. We don't want that. So God bless you. It, it, it's God bless you for watching this morning. And God bless you for made it out, making it out here this morning to the house of the Lord. Welcome. We are so glad you are here. So good to see all of our guests in the house of the Lord this morning. Welcome to Firstborn, where we are taking Jesus as he is to people as they are. We're going to go to Genesis chapter number 6 this morning. Amen. One person wrote an article that said, Everything I need to know... I learned from Noah that said this. Number one, don't miss the boat. <laughs> number two, we are all in the same boat. <laughs> number three, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. I like number four. <laughs> Stay fit because when you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something big. <laughs> don't listen to critics. Just do the job that needs to be done. Build your future on higher ground. For safety's sake, travel in pairs. <laughs> Speed isn't always an advantage. Remember, the snails were on board with the cheetahs on the ark. When you're stressed, just float a while. And remember, the ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic by professionals. <laughs> Amen. I want to talk a little bit about Noah here this morning. Genesis chapter number 6. Verse number 8 says this. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now if you can just move just a little bit further up to Genesis 7 and 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. One more set of scriptures, Luke 17 and verse 26. Luke 17 and verse 26. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation, and so it will differ from the King James Version, if you're reading along in the King James Version. Luke 17 and 26. First, I'll read it in the King James, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now in the New Living Translation, it says this, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. For the next few moments here this morning, I want to preach on this subject, as in the days, as in the days. Amen. One more time, can we just offer up a sacrifice of praise and honor and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ? Oh, Lord, I thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for every man and woman and boy and girl that's in this house. I thank you, Lord, for those that are watching online. I pray that your blessings will be upon each of us as we learn from your word here today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint my lips, God, and I would speak, Lord, what the Spirit hath said, Lord. I thank you for opening up our ears today, God, and and we honor you and everything that is spoken in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Noah is a Bible story. If you have been in church for a period of time, you are probably familiar with the story of Noah and his ark. The story of a man who was righteous and he built this big boat and he saved his family from the flood that covered the entire world. This is a story that I was introduced to Two, as a child as well in our Sunday school department here at Firstborn. And then I will never forget, as I've talked about this name before, as I will never forget Brother Dennis Wickes from the Wisconsin District coming to junior camp, which is now called Kids Camp. And he shared the story of Noah's Ark. From the sound of elephants to the wonderful storytelling, it captivated the imagination, not only myself, but of the students at that kids' camp. I was at the University of Illinois about a week, uh, a week ago now, a week and a half ago now, at the CMI Awakening. It's the college campus, uh, college ministry uh, campus international <clears throat> awakening national conference that was held at U of I. I was there and uh, listening to these wonderful ministers uh, of God that preached the gospel and. There at this awakening, Bishop Merrill Cornwell, a man who, uh, senior pastor, I think, talked about last Sunday morning, Sunday night, one of the two, 
a man who has taught over 25,000 Bible studies, a man that was kind of the pioneer in the United Pentecostal Church movement to teach Bible studies and grew a church because of that. There he was the minister, one of the ministers, and he began to tell a story of how he would speak at kids' camps all around our movement. And he made the decision that when I speak at kids' camps, I'm going to do it differently. Some people go with puppets and they go with costumes and they speak these wonderful stories. He said, if I ever get a chance to go and speak at a kids' camp, I am going to scare the H-E double hockey sticks out of them, and I will scare them into heaven. And I thought, wow, that's a unique way of speaking at a kids' camp. I, I wanted to ask Brother Cornwell after, how many kids' camps did you speak at? I know he spoke at one at least because of this story, and I wonder how many he spoke out after that. But he talked about Noah, the ark, and he said, I told this story in such a way, he said, as this, he said, when those floodwaters started to rise, the people started to try and cling to that ark. And they clung to that ark so hard that they dug their fingernails into the side of the wood. And they dug their fingernails so deep in the wood that their fingernails were ripped off and blood was squirting out everywhere as they were screaming their heads off because they were dying one by one. Three kids went to the nurse that night. 22 kids woke up in the middle night with night terrors. But thank God, every one of them received the Holy Ghost that week at camp. He said, then I told them there was one man who went finally to the top of Mount Everest. He thought he was going to be safe as the waters started to rise. The waters came around his knees, around his waist, and finally up to his neck. And God stuck out his index finger and pushed him under that water. Wow, I think that was Brother Cornwell's only kids camp that he preached, but I thought about that, and uh, I'm not going to preach the flood and the ark in that way here today, but I do want to talk about what the Bible says in quote-unquote normal life. I believe that normal life in that day was probably just about like normal life is in 2020. What is normal life? Well, the Bible says it included eating and drinking and marrying and buying and selling and planting and building. If so, life was going as on as normal until the day Noah entered that ark. And, and even until the day that, left, that uh, Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, life was going on as normal. Two major events that happened that came because of the sins of the people that were either in Sodom and Gomorrah or in the entire world. Life was as normal until suddenly it wasn't. Luke 17, verse 26 through 28, it says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings. Right up until the time Noah entered into the boat, the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went their daily business eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, and building. At first it seems that all things were peaceful on planet earth before the flood and before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah until it wasn't. 
Not much has changed since then. Today, we do the same. We eat, we drink, we get married, we give our daughters in marriage, we, we buy, we sell, we plant, we build, we work. We would fit right in to that narrative in the Old Testament if we could get a time machine and be transported back to those days. I believe that maybe culturally we would not fit in as well as, as what they did as, as coming here, but life would be seeming as normal in those peaceful days. Genesis 6 and 5 and 6 says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Verse 13 says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So here was life as normal until the day Noah entered the ark. Sure, people were going through their daily business even when they entered the ark, but there the normalty was interwoven with wickedness of all kinds and thought and deed. Violence was rampant across the earth. And Peter wrote about this in his second letter. He said the world was ungodly in 2 Peter 2 and 5. It says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. The world was full of ungodly people just like as it is today. The world is full of ungodly people going from their business to and from work, uh, marrying and getting married and, and eating and drinking and having a good old time, uh, not knowing that the ends of the world are upon them uh, and destruction for them is right uh, around the corner. Uh, I know if you've been in church for a period of time uh, you have heard the message of the second coming uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, but I want to be loud and clear as someone who has been in this truth for 35 years. I've heard it from the time that I can remember that Jesus is quickly coming soon and that the ends of the world is upon us. And just as I believed in youth camps, as they told the story of the end of the world and Jesus coming again and splitting the eastern skies and the trump of God sounding, I still believe it today. Just as I believed it back then, the only difference is I am many days closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If He doesn't come back today, I'm one day closer tomorrow to Jesus splitting open the eastern skies. Jesus is coming back again for His people. This world is going to go down in destruction. This world is going to go down in flames and fire and brimstone and I'm thankful that when that happens my role is going to be called up yonder and I'm so thankful that because of grace and mercy my name is written in the Lamb's book of life so I don't fear the rapture I don't fear the second coming I don't fear him opening up those eastern skies I say come Lord come Lord come quickly you have got to know that Jesus is coming again. And it's so soon. I would not be surprised 
if Jesus didn't come back again before I ended my message. I would not be surprised if Jesus came back again in the next 30 seconds or the next second because the Bible says it will be in the blink of an eye in just a moment, less than a second. We are going to be changed. We are going to be caught up. This world is not going to know what hit it. They might have heard about it for a long time, but just in a moment, normal life is over. It's gone. In the same second Peter 2, verse 3, it says that God didn't even spare the angels that sinned. He cast them down to hell. He delivered them, it says, into chains of darkness. They're waiting for the judgment day. The angels are waiting for that day. God is going to open up the book. They're going to be cast out. He's going to say, depart from me. There's so many men and women who are going to stand before the judgment throne of God. And they're not going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. They're going to hear a God of judgment. A God that they heard was full of grace and mercy. And He is. Oh, I'm so thankful He is. Oh, Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. He is a God of grace and mercy. But what we need to understand here this morning, that He is also a God of judgment as well. I hate to even say it, but there are going to be men and women who He is going to look at. Jesus Christ is going to look at. And He is going to say, depart from me. And more than that, He's going to disown them and say, I never knew you. He made an example in verse 6 of Sodom and Gomorrah burning their city, reducing it to ashes. An example for everyone that would live thereafter. Why? Because God hates sin. Yes, as I've said, His mercy endures forever. Yes, He is full of grace and mercy. He is long-suffering and loving. But sometimes we don't talk a lot about the judgment of God. Psalm 97 and 10 says, Yea, that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of His saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Did you know that there are some things that God absolutely hates? Yes, God is love. But there are some things the scripture says that God hates. Some things that are an abomination. Meaning they are exceptionally loathsome, hateful, sinful, wicked, vile. God one day is going to judge sin in every person's life. Proverbs 6 and 16 talks about this. I'm reading it from the New King James Version. It says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. Number one, a proud look. 
And number two, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who soars dis- sows discord among Brethren, see, uh, I ask you here this morning, are you talking bad about your brothers and sisters? Are you spreading the gossip that you have been given? Now, you shouldn't gossip at all, but if you commit that sin, you better make sure that what you're saying is true. Because if not, it's an abomination to be a false witness and to sow discord. I'm not... Oh, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be hard on you this morning. I'm trying to preach the Word of God. I'm trying to pull someone out of a pit here this morning. I'm trying to give someone hope this morning. I'm trying to tell someone, if you're doing these things, Jesus Christ has not come back yet. And there's still hope for you. But stop. I just don't like so-and-so. I don't like how they run their department. I could do it so much better. You go around spreading how you could do much better and how terrible they are doing. And to those involved in that t- department, I'm here to tell you, you better watch out. God does not take kindly to someone who sows discord. To sow discord is to say and do things that cause a group as a whole to distrust one another. The devil wants you to and I to sow discord amongst a church. He wants us to distrust one another. He wants you to distrust your friends. He wants you to distrust the pastor. He wants you to distrust the Sunday school teachers. He wants you to distrust the board. He wants you to distrust the youth pastor. He wants you to distrust the uh, the praise and worship leader. He wants you to distrust every single person. Why? Because the devil loves confusion. He loves discord. He loves chaos, and if he can bring chaos in a church, if he can bring arguments in a church, if he can pit this side of the church against this side of the church, if he can pit this minister in the front row with the minister that might not even sit up, if the devil can pit us one against the other, he doesn't care what you do, how much you sin, or what you're involved in. He believes that his work could be done if he could just pit one against the other. What I believe that if if he sows discord, if if someone sows discord, it's usually done in secret. It's by deceit. Someone doesn't open up on Facebook and talk about usually about someone else. Sometimes it does happen, but that's usually not how it happens at all. It's through sneakiness and gossip and lies. Let me tell you what we should be. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and 12. And if one prevail against them, two shall withstand them but even better than that a threefold cord is not quickly broken when believers are united, they are like cords woven together. And when someone sows discord, he or she attempts to undo or discord that threefold cord, destroying the unity. Believers void of unity are weaker and more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. I believe this: what you are trying to, do, what you are doing, you are opening yourself up for an attack. 
attack. You will never be able to stop the will of God for someone. You will never be able to stop the will of God for a city or for a church. You might disable it for a while and prevent it for a time. But God's will will never be stopped. I say this to the world. I don't care what you throw against the church. I don't care what laws you make. I don't care how you try to bind us and push us down. It don't matter what you do because Firstborn Ministries has a mission and it has an anointing and it has a a, a placement for this city. The will of God will continue to go forward in this church. Will past when I'm dead and in the ground if Jesus doesn't come back because His will always goes forward. I'm here to give you hope here in this room. It doesn't matter what the enemy has thrown against you and your family. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter what your kids have done. It doesn't matter if you believe your name is thrown in the mud. God's will will be done in your life. God's will will be done in your family. Speak to it in the name of Jesus. His will will be done. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But what I'm trying to say this morning is this. Is where there is no unity, attacks are not easily overcome. But when a church is united with the scriptures of this word, when a church is united around the scriptures, when the church is united around his holy Bible, when we open up and we go to Acts 2.38 and the church is united around the message of the salvation, the gospel message, when a church is united that there is only one God and Jesus is his name, when a church is united that we will stand for holiness, we believe women should dress like women and men should dress like men, when a church is united around the salvation message, and the message of the Bible no one can defeat the church no one because a threefold core when we're united together with God no one can stop you think about this one little grain of sand can be blown out of each of our hands. It's nothing by itself. But yet when it stands together, you can bury someone in sand and they would never be able to get back out unless you took that sand away. The scripture says this about sand. Jeremiah 5 and 22. It says that when sand is brought together... That the sea cannot even, it it can even hold back the ocean. That's powerful right there. I myself might not be much, 
But that's why I come to church on Sunday. That's why I come to Bible study on Wednesday. Because where two or three are gathered together, there He is. I might not be able to withstand the wiles of the devil every single time. He might blow me over a couple of times. But that's what I'm so thankful that I got a church of brothers and sisters that I can stand next to. And when I link arms with them, I guarantee they're not blowing Brother Steve down. That's why we need the church. That's why we need those grains of sand to be in together as a family of brothers and sisters because no matter what attacks you, no matter what attacks the family of God, we will stand united against the forces of evil. So fear not, because you can accomplish much with your brothers and sisters. We don't talk about as much, though, as I've said many times, about how he judges sin. Psalm 75 and 7 says, But God is the judge. He putteth down one. And setteth up another. God will take care of anything we need. You say, well, you don't know how this person's acting. I might not ever know how they're acting. Pastor doesn't have this all-seeing eye that can dive deep into your heart and know the, the ways of men. There's only one person that can do that. I'm not him. God might reveal things. I believe in that. But I can't just stand here. And If anybody says, I can stand here and know what you're doing. And God gives, God gives some ability. He gives the spirit. I believe that is a gift. You come and say, well, you don't know what. When that, when, and and, and, and we'll, I understand that. And, and if someone's not doing right, there's, you know, there's ways that, that we need to help that person, okay? I'm not saying, saying anything against that. But ultimately, God is the one who brings up and sets down. You don't believe that God can take somebody out? Ooh, that's strong right there. Yes, it is. But we see it happen over and over again in the Bible. God can bring up who he wants to and sets down who he wants. If he will use a donkey to proclaim his word, he will use the worst sinner as well. Oh. I know, I know that's, 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 that's a little controversial, but God will do it. God is the judge. One day he will judge all of mankind, small and great. There is a day coming in the new future where Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. It will happen as a thief cometh in the night. And we will all be judged one day. I hear people say, well, you're not the judge and you're judging me. Okay, fine. But there is, only, there is a judge one day that will judge you and your actions. Yes, there is a righteous judge, more righteous than I ever will be. And he will judge your actions one day. God has appointed a day.
day in which he will judge the world, it says in Acts 17, and righteous by that man whom he hath ordained, wherefore he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, as and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment, the final judgment will judge the living, and it will judge the dead. Ma'am, sir, one day you will stand before the great white throne of judgment. One day you will stand before the throne that Jesus Christ will sit upon. He will open up the book and He will judge you of everything you have done in your life. Romans 2, 5, and 6, the New Living Translation says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming. When God's righteous judgment will be revealed, He will judge everyone according to what they have done. I'm telling you, just like as in the days of Noah and Sodom, so will it be as in the days like today that the trumpet of God is going to sound. There's going to be a catching away of the saints, and there is going to be a judgment. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I'm asking you that would hear today that are in this room or maybe that are watching online or maybe that will watch online at a future date. Maybe God has brought you online in this moment. It might be four years later, but you stumbled across this message and I want to tell you God is speaking to you right now that you got to get right. You got to believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and God will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. You didn't happen to step across this for just no reason. God is calling you today. I say that in the room here today. God is calling you today. You didn't happen just to come out today for just no apparent reason. But God knew the message that was going to be preached today from the beginning of time. And He said, I'm speaking this through this servant vessel because there's someone in the room that needs to hear that God, that Jesus Christ is coming back again quickly. On the other hand, Though if you have made your calling and election sure, if you have followed the plan of salvation in your life, you can say like Paul did in 2 Timothy 4 and 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. There is a crown that is stored up for men and women who have followed the plan, who have walked the straight and narrow path. Narrow is that path and narrow is the gate. But oh, I'm so thankful that I'm not choosing to go the broad way which leads to destruction. Oh, it looks great on this earth, but I choose to go on the narrow path. It might it might get a little tight sometimes. It, it might make me feel a little awkward 
awkward at times. It might make my flesh feel really bad sometimes. It might make me do things that in my flesh I really don't want to do. I really have no care to do it. But I know if I continue to walk the narrow path, that at the end of that path there's a crown for me that's laid up in righteousness. And I'm so thankful that when I get that crown, I'm going to take it off and I'm going to throw it back to the one who died for me. I'm not looking for a crown. I'm looking to crown the one who died for me. But I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I want to crown him as my king of kings and lord of lords on this earth. Guide me and direct me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Come on, someone cry that out right now in this room. Come on, someone cry that out. Guide me, God. Guide me, God. Paths of righteousness. I feel the Holy Ghost so strongly in this room. This is not a message of condemnation. There is no condemnation. That's what the scripture says. This is a message truly of hope. This is a message truly of hope. This is a message truly of hope. If you find yourself that you've been convicted in this message, if you find that you have been, it's been hard to sit through. I understand it's been hard to preach. If you find yourself in conviction this morning, I'm not. I'm hoping that you don't leave here this morning with being convicted. I hope you don't leave here this morning as being almost, almost, almost convicted enough to come to the altar. hope you don't leave like that man left in the Bible and said almost you almost persuaded me you almost said the right thing today preacher you almost gave me all I could say want anyone leaving in this room here that has not at least found a place to pray at this end of this message I don't care if it's at this altar or if it's at your seat if you can I'm asking if you can I know there's some that can but at the end of this message I'm asking that everyone find a place to either sit or to kneel in this place I'm not asking for a wild response. If you, if that's what you want to do, fine. I'm not asking for people to run the aisles. I'm not asking. I'm asking for a sincere, a sincere, a sincere repentant heart, a sincere heart that will kneel before a king, a sincere heart that says, "Lord, look inside my heart. Is there anything in here that is not right? Is there anything? I know I'm living as in the days. I know I'm living as in the days. I know there's so much." 
much wrong in this world, but God, give me a clean heart. I want to be as David said. Give me a clean and pure heart. I know it might not happen every day. I've had a dirty heart before. I'm telling you the truth. I've had a heart that was not towards God. I've been in church my whole life, but there's times where I've not had a clean heart. And I'm sorry to say that in this room here this morning, but I want to be open and transparent with you. If the pastor, if someone who's grown up in this truth can have a dirty heart at times, each and every one of you can. There's no condemnation in that. There is no looking at someone and pointing it out except for our Lord Jesus Christ who is pointing things inside of you this morning and saying you better watch it because you are as in the days of Noah. You are as in the days of Lot. And I am coming quickly. Life is not promised in the next second. Life is not promised when we walk outside these doors. Life is not promised inside these doors. It's not promised for tomorrow. As I close, oh my, this message has taken a turn that uh, this, uh, this wasn't how I was going to preach this message, I promise you. God is convicting, is bringing His conviction in this room. Oh, I love services. Oh, woo! I love services are running the aisles. Sometimes I think what we miss sometimes in Pentecost is services of being still. In services of being still and listening to that small voice. It's being still and letting the Lord and Savior point out things in our life. Woo! Wears out real quick when you get to the real world. But a relationship takes years to get into. I know divorce can happen overnight, but it took years to get to that point. It takes years to get out of it. I'm looking for one person. And that person is who Peter described as a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter says he spared not the world, as I've read it before. But he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. And he brought the flood upon the world to the ungodly. There's no ways and means of escape from the old world, but Noah. Oh, he found grace. Listen to me here this morning. As my heart cries out to you, 
I feel that has been pressed upon me during this message. The Bible does not use words just to use them. But if we believe that it's truly inspired, the Bible is truly inspired, we must take it as it is. And it says that Noah found grace. Grace didn't just fall on Noah because he was righteous. But Noah had to find it. It's still the same today. It doesn't matter how righteous a person is. You could do the most good in the world. You could give billions of dollars to kids overseas. You can give thousands of dollars to SFC to spread the gospel. You can give thousands of dollars to Mother's Memorial, making sure that missionaries have what they need. You can give thousands of dollars to North American Missions. and spread. You can give thousands of dollars to Global Mission. You can do as many PIMs, Partners in Missions, as you want. And none of that matters unless you find grace. You've got to find it. Noah was the only person who found grace. Let me tell you this. It affected his family. I, I don't believe his family found grace in the eyes of God. But his family said, I'm going to listen to you, Noah. We're going to get on the ark with you. You might be a crazy old man. Uh, you, might have, you might be crazy, full of, uh, of, of Alzheimer's, dement, whatever you want to say. But I'm going to listen to you, Noah. And his family was saved because Noah found grace. I'm here to tell you in this room this morning your family can be saved in the world like it is today because it only takes one person to find grace for someone else to follow you into the door and sit on these seats and find the same grace that you found however many years ago. I'm looking for a Noah in the world as it is today to stand up, to find grace, to open their hearts, to let God come in and show you the way and I believe once you find grace your family's going to follow also it becomes so important today ma'am it becomes so important today sir that you find grace in the house of the Lord as in these days We close. I'm done. We don't need any music today. It's not going to be emotions that lead us to repentance, true repentance. You can have all the emotions you want in the world. It won't truly lead to deep repentance in your life. It can help. It can bring on the Spirit of God. It can entertain the atmosphere. 
But ultimately, if we just entertain the atmosphere and not get it inside, it means nothing. It means nothing. I'm not, again, I'm not preaching against the moving of the Spirit. we got to have that. But I'm preaching against the surface, the fleshly. We like to jump and shout. I, I love it. We like to feel good with running around the church. Woo! We like to feel good with our doctrine. That's good and great. I, feel, I, I get excited. But if only it is in the flesh, it means nothing. If it's only a good feeling and goosebumps, it means nothing. You gotta find it. You gotta find it. And he's close. Scripture says he is not far. God is not far from you this morning. You feel like you're a million miles away. But God is not far away from you this morning. He is, as the scripture says, as close as the mention of his name. And if you start mentioning in the name right now, in an atmosphere like this, Jesus Christ will come back to you in a flood, in a flood in days like this. If you just start to open up your mouth and you start to call upon the name that is above every other name, there will be a demonstration and a work of the Spirit that will happen in this room like we have never seen before. Not built with the emotionalism of a of a worship or a time of praise and drums and guitar, but built upon the spirit of the Almighty God. In this, it's in atmospheres like this when you begin to open up your mouth and when you begin to shout His name that Jesus Christ can heal, that He can deliver. Come on, somebody! Without any music, without even any drums, why don't you start to open your mouth in this? room. Why don't you start to open it? Come on, that's it. Someone's getting it here in this room. Come on, let the Holy Ghost flow. Come on, there needs to every person. Every person can speak in tongues today before you leave this place. I believe every person can be refilled with the gift of His Spirit. I believe every person that needs the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. I heard we had a great prayer meeting on Wednesday. I wish I could have been here. I was in meetings in St. Louis all week. But just as it happened, that God is calling us to a new season in this church. He's calling us to a season of prayer, a season of seeking His face, a season of opening up our hearts, a season of purging some things in our life. He's calling us to a season. Come on, open up your heart. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know there's maybe sin in your life. I'm not condemning you. But this morning, God can release you from the sin, from the chains. There's addictions in this room that Jesus Christ is getting ready to break this morning. And it's not through emotionalism. He's getting ready to break it through prayer. He's getting ready to break it through prayer. He's getting ready to break it through prayer. 
Don't stop. Don't look at your neighbor next to you. Don't look at the friend across the hall. Come on, if you're watching online here this morning, I know there's many online. I ask you right now to find a place in prayer in your house. I ask you right now, the same Spirit of God that is in this room is in your room right now. Come on, find a place to kneel in your home. Go by your bedside. Go in your wherever it is. God wants to touch you this morning. He wants to touch your entire family this Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it, ma'am. That's it, sir. You've been dealing with this for far too long. You've been dealing with this for far too long. The secret sins of your heart. You've been trying to hide it. You've been trying to hide out from God for far too long. You've been behind the rock and in the cave for far too long. Come on, that's it, all around this room. Come on, let's make this an atmosphere of prayer. Oh, I know this is different. I know, I know, I know, I understand. But uh, God is calling us right now for a season of prayer. He is calling this church to, uh, to, to, to bind together as a threefold core. He is calling you. He's calling you men and women, brothers and sisters, to bind together in prayer. There's only some things that's going to break because of prayer. There's only some things that is going to change because of prayer. There's only some things. It cannot be fought. It cannot be fought in the flesh, but it can only be fought in the intercessory prayer of the saints of the Most High, living God. Come on, that's it. Come on, all around this room. Once you've asked God to cleanse you, I want to make sure, though, you ask Him to cleanse you. Show the secrets of your heart. Show the hidden sins. You might know what they are, but there might be some things in your heart that God wants to deal with you, that God wants to bring you out of. Come on, that's it. I still feel we're in a season right now in this prayer meeting where God is trying to show you the intents of your heart. He's trying to show you the intents of your heart tonight come on that's it don't be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid open up open up 
He does not hate you. He does not hate you. He does not hate you because you've messed up. He does not hate you because of the sin you're dealing with. He does not hate you. He is looking at you with eyes of love and grace and mercy. Come on. Come on, that says someone break through. Break through to interceding. Hallelujah, that God is calling some prayer warriors in this house this morning. I, I felt this as I came in here today and this morning. God is calling you not to a pulpit ministry. God is not calling you to be looked at around the world. But He is calling you to be a dynamic prayer warrior in Him. He is calling you to be an intercessor. You might not be known in this world, but let me tell you, God is speaking to you and He is saying, this. You are laying up treasures of righteousness that one day even though you might have not been known in this world one day you are going to be openly known in heaven. God is calling some prayer warriors in this house this morning. God is calling some prayer warriors Let me tell you when you accept this, when you accept this, when you accept this, you are going to be woken up at night. Your life is going to be radically changed from this moment. I want to tell you that whenever this comes upon you, there are going to be times that God is going to bring someone to your mind and you are going to feel an unction from His Spirit that is going to come upon you and you are not going to feel a release until you start praying for that person. You're not going to feel a release until you start interceding. But I believe that through your prayers things will change and you will feel a release from that person. God is getting ready to transform your life this morning because you have accepted His will for your life. Say, Pastor, man, that's scary. That's scary. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But you know what's scarier is not following the will of God for your life. You know what's scarier is one day to get before the white throne judgment, get before Jesus Christ and say, hey, I called you to be this. I called you to do this. I'm crying out to you this morning. Accept the will of God.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Uh, hallelujah. Come on, let's just take a few more moments here. Come on. Oh, come on, it's still early. Come on, God is still doing something in this room. Hallelujah. Gifts of the Spirit are working in this room here this morning. Allow God to use you this morning. Allow God to use you this morning. If you say, I've never felt anything like this, I'm telling you the gifts of the Spirit are in operation right now. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. God is with you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's say all around this room. Just begin to wait upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God's Spirit is working in this room. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Come on, let's worship the Lord in this room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in this house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I believe the Lord is speaking to us here this morning. There are people in this room that you are as David was camping out in the cave of Adullam. You are scared and afraid. You're scared and afraid of your past and you're scared and afraid of your future. I call upon you today to get out of the cave and go to a city that is known as praise, the city of Judah. I call upon you today to get out of your cave and bring along the discontented that is with you because when you do, I will show up, I will show out, and what you do will be known around in your family, in the city, and the world in Jesus' name. Come on, someone give them some praise. It's time for Anoah to stand up in this room. It's time for Anoah to stand up in this room. God has called you out. It don't matter what you did in your past. It doesn't matter what God is calling you to do in your future. All he's looking for is a man or a woman who found grace in his sight. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yeah. For our God is greater and our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any Can we sing this as we get ready to leave this place? Awesome in power, our God. God has done a great work in this room this morning. Come on, He's brought salvation to someone this morning. He's brought hope in a world like today. Well, now it's time to rejoice because what He has done in our life is good. Part it says, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop? 
I want to see you be a winner in the Lamb's book of life. I don't care what else happens to you in this world, really. If on the other side, I can look at you and say, man, we made it. We made it. Even in the crazy days of 2020, we made it. If I could say that for the cast, my life's fulfilled. I want to say that with each and every one. me happy that gets me excited God bless you love of God go with you I pray that the peace of God goes with you we'll see you tonight be safe and careful on your way home love you all